those who do not have the power over the story that dominates their lives, the power to retell it, rethink it, deconstruct it, joke about it, and change it as times change, truly are powerless because they cannot think new thoughts. True power lies with those who can control their own story. You are the story that you tell yourselves. For, for heritage to uh, have value, for heritage to matter, you have to have a community there that celebrates it and connects to it. It's easy to get um, stuck in the detail and in the process and, and forget that at the end of the day, these things, although they're from the past, they're kind of living and they're carried through to the present and then onto the future, hopefully, if we do our jobs right. Our heritage has shaped who we are as a people and a place today. In this series, we celebrate the stories of Auckland, the Pacific, and beyond. I'm Mark Gosper, and this is the Heritage Talks podcast. Kia ora koutou, and welcome back. Today, we catch up on a talk from our 2018 series, an insider's look at Auckland Museum's Te Aware project. What does this mean? It means basically pulling all our tongue out from the dusty cupboards, not dusty. Trust me, they're not dusty. <laughs> Those are the preconceptions that we have, though, that museums sort of stuff things in these dusty cupboards. Associate Curator Bethany Mata Edmonds explains the project, which has a mission to enhance the accessibility of the museum's vast collection of taonga, whilst recognising its rightful place within Te Ao Māori. Bethany is joined by conservator Kate Blair, who explains the workflow and conservation methodology the museum is employing to bring this to fruition. Enjoy the journey. Haramai tētahi āhua. Kia koutou te hunga ora kua tai mai, uh, tēnā koutou katoa, uh, ki ngā wahine o te whare pōra, tēnā koutou katoa, ki aku um, hoa mahi nō tamaki painga hira, tēnei te mahi mō tō tautoko, tēnei ahi ahi, uh, kia ora koutou katoa. Uh, ko wai tēnei uh, he uri ahau nō muri whenua, ko Ngāti Kuri te iwi, ko Pohotiare te hapu, uh, ko Maunga Piko te maunga, pā ringa ringa te moana, te reo mihi me wai o rāku marae. Nō reira mai oku tupuna ki o koutou tupuna tēnei te mihi, uh, mihi noi ki a koutou. Ai, ko taku ingoa, ko Bethany Matai Edmonds, uh, ko au te Associate Curator Māori. <laughs> uh, ko taku whakaaro he ringa raupa au mo te tiakina o ngā taonga Māori. Nō reira tēnā koutou katoa. Um, Hara mai taku hoa. Um, <laughs> Thank you, Jackie, for your introduction, and um, we're really happy to have responded to the karanga to come in today and share a bit of the work that we do at Auckland Museum. Um, we've got a lot of really exciting stuff happening in the whare taonga, and to be able to bring it outside of the walls of our whare into another um, sister organisation is nice to be able to um, share the work that we're doing. So thank you all for taking the time this afternoon to come and join us, and I'll let my colleague Kate introduce herself. Uh, kia ora koutou, ko Kate Aho, ko Kaisiaki Taonga Aho. Um, my name's Kate and I'm a conservator of cultural materials specialising in textiles and I'm one of three conservators on a nine strong team for this Te Awe project. 
So I'm going to um, just provide a bit of the big picture context around what this project is and then Kate's going to talk you through some of the actual day-to-day -day, um, mahi of what it involves. And we've got lots of beautiful images and um, that you can Google over while we go through this pro, uh, through this kopapa. We've, we've, we're going to try and contain our corridor so we don't spend the whole time talking at you, and then, and then at the end we can have an opportunity for some whakawhiti corridor and partai and that kind of thing. So, um, first of all, Te Awe Phase 2 Collections Readiness Project. What does this mean? Um, <clears throat> Ngā taonga o te wharepora, so nau i whatu te kākahu he tāneko tāku, you weave the cloak and I'll weave the water. Part of the, where the Auckland Museum is at at the moment is in a 25-year um, Future Museum Master Plan delivery process, which means that um, we're about, I think we're about five or six years into the project. Um, within this, there's several work streams, so one of them is collections readiness, another one is collections digitisation, another one's gallery renewal, and another one is the um, major work, so doing um, major work to the building to bring it into the 21st century, basically. Um, we're very much about community engagement and collaboration with our um, communities, including mana whenua, um, Ngāti Whātua, Ngāti Paua, Tainui Waikato. Um, these are all part of our consultation process is engaging with Māori communities, particularly when we're talking about Taonga Māori. So that's the future museum component, 25 years, very ambitious, a lot of um, moving parts, which we are all caught up in. Um, and, but underlying that is He Kōrahi Māori, which is our Māori dimension at the museum. In the Auckland Museum, there is the um, Taumata Aiwi, which is formerly part of the museum's um, formal structure. The Taumata Aiwi is our Māori reference group, so they are made up of those three mana whenua groups that I had mentioned earlier. They advise us on a strategic level, so whenever we make any movements that affect Māori communities and or our Māori taonga, um, they are there to reference and to inform and advise us on the correct ways to, to embark on those kind of projects. When it comes down to collections readiness, um, that this is the key project that we're talking about today. So I mentioned there's those four other pieces of work, but we are focusing in on the collections readiness. What does this mean? It means basically pulling all our tongue out from the dusty cupboards, not dusty. Trust me, they're not dusty. <laughs> those are the preconceptions that we have though, that museums sort of stuff things in these dusty cupboards. But, um, what's happened over years that the, the collections have accumulated and grown and become, and so our store spaces have become um, cramped and the Tiawe project is about bringing out each individual taonga, assessing it for its, um, if it has any conservation requirements, photographing it, updating its records and bringing it up to date and um, making sure that we can present it in its best possible light. So under this collections readiness piece of work, we have Te Awe, which is what we're talking about today, and PCAP. So just a little side note that PCAP is the Pacific Collections Access Project, similar to what we're talking about today, but working with our Pacific Taonga. So they are going through each of the 15 island groups, bringing out all of the taonga from that collection, holding knowledge holder sessions where they'll invite community experts into wānanga over the taonga, um, hosting community days so the wider whānau can come in and view these taonga, updating our records, 
um, and making sure that the information we have is current and correct and not um, sparse like it is in lots of situations. So that's the Pacific Collections Access Project. If you're interested, there's lots of um, coverage on our Facebook page and then on our website that you can find out more about that. They're up to Niue, so if there's any Nueans, then that's kind of where we're... Um, then we're into Te Awe. So Te Awe, Phase one happened 2013 to 2015. Um, the, the way that the Taonga organised at the museum currently, we have the carving store and the cloak store. So we've got Nga Mea Whakairo, me Nga Mea o Te Wharepora. Um, the phase one of the project went through the carving store. As I mentioned, every taonga was brought out, um, assessed, photographed, records updated. Um, 10,000 taonga, it's no easy feat to get through this project. That um, first phase of the project was two years long and it was fast paced and it was a learning curve for the museum on a lot of levels. It was an intense work environment for those who worked on the project. Um, there was a little break in the middle and then in September of last year we launched Te Phase 2. So of the 10,000 taonga, approximately 2,500 of these are woven textiles and associated objects. <clears throat> Again, no mean feat. Um, I'm going to check my notes because I feel like I might have missed something. <laughs> Oh, yes, so within, within the textile collection, um, in 2015 we acquired Mick Prendergast's collection, so that actually increased the numbers um, quite substantially of the taonga that we have in our um, textile collection. And you'll be familiar with the, the types of things he collected uh, can be seen in books such as Fun with Flax, Te Ahotapu, etc. So we've got lots of those taonga that you may be familiar with that you've seen in books that are, now, that are actually in our collections. So the, the way that the project works is to um, that each of these groupings of taonga are worked through as a, as a set of, of taonga. Um, you can see here the beginnings of this types of range of, of things that we're looking at. So not only our kākahu Māori, but our, right down to our mea tapu-tapu, so um, poi, raurau, um, pōtai, you can see in here, right through to things like um, shona tāwhiao's woven red boots. So we've got a really huge scope of um, taonga that exist within this project. Um, and the types of numbers that we're working through. Kete, 1,000, that's <laughs> a lot, that's a lot to do work with. Another key element for us in the success of this project is that with, um, with each object, with each taonga type, we have our um, taumata māori kura come and work with us. It was really important for us to acknowledge the expertise that exists without, um, outside of the museum. So our taumata māori kura you'll see here made up of Maureen Lander, Afina Tamarapa, Kahu Toite Kanoa, uh, Matikino Lawless, Te Hemoa Te Henare, uh, Rangi Te Kanoa and, and Tina Christina Wirihana. So they are seven of Aotearoa's most accomplished weavers. Um, and it was, it was a huge and challenging 
process for us to refine it down to seven um, because there are so many accomplished weavers out there. But these wahine, not only are they accomplished practitioners, they also are um, avid researchers and have worked within museum environments before, so they understand some of the um, restraints that we're up against when we're dealing with the, um, what we need to get out of the project as well as um, marrying that together with their expertise and their practical knowledge. So they come in with every object type um, and we have a two-day wānanga with them. They advise us on um, names of taonga, function, materiality, techniques that are involved in the production of these taonga. Um, and these are really fruitful um, days for us as a working, as a project team. Um, and there's a lot of discussion that occurs within those times. So we have a wānanga space, but we also have the pragmatic end of it of we need to get a certain set of information that we can put into our database records. So there's a lot, um, there's a lot of um, energy that's put into those two wānanga days to make sure that we get what we need to out of the end of it. But this is a really valuable part of the project, and that re references back to that um, whakatauki at the beginning of no, no te kākohu nā kūte tāniko. Um, and really acknowledging the mana that they bring to the kaupapa and the extra value that they can bring um, to making sure that we are getting things right. Um, a huge part of that is the naming of taonga. So in situations where in historically ethnographers have recorded flax mat, well we know this is not a flax mat, you know, this is a whariki or it might be a tapo or it might be another aharane, so they're able to actually advise us on the specifics of the language that we're using around the way that we describe our taonga. So I'm going to hand it over to Kate and she's going to talk through some of the day-to-day -day activities. <laughs> yeah, kia ora. so thanks for that overview of the project, Bethany. Um, I'm going to kind of hone in a little more on what our workflow process is and what everyone on the team actually does, because it can be really easy to kind of talk about these things at a high level, but often people don't really know what the day-to-day -day mahi is. Um, so I'll just kind of outline that for you as briefly as I can. Um, and I'm going to do this by following the journey of this whariki through our workflow process, um, simply because whariki were the first group of objects that we completed for this project. So the first step in the workflow is to make sure that our electronic database records are up to date and quality checked, and this is a lot of what Jenna and Takatia have been doing. Um, because we're quite limited for time, this is done on a very basic level to make sure that the key information is there and that it's correct, such as the date the item came into the collection, any historical descriptions that were made at that time, and the materials identifications. So more in-depth research on the history of collections or individual items can be done at a later date, and that's kind of outside the scope of the project at the moment. Um, that'll provide an opportunity for subject experts to add value to our records in the future, especially once they go live onto collections online and we have researchers kind of going through those records and adding and enriching information. 
When the tanga is brought out for physical work, um, information technician and weaver Lisa makes descriptions on each item. She takes detailed notes on weaving patterns, the starting and finishing techniques, the size and frequency of the fenu or weaving strips, and she'll often make a sketch to depict important features. This is then all typed up, ready to be uploaded to the electronic record. So um, Bethany kind of alluded to this um, historical description, mat, comma, fiber, which is very brief <laughs> and not very descriptive. Um, once that field is updated with the descriptions that are being taken through this project, um, that description will be a lot more useful for anyone who's accessing this record. Um, so they'll be able to know more about this um, taonga before they physically access it. You may also be wondering about this name title field. Um, and again, as Bethany alluded to, a large part of our mahi in the project is to figure out what kupu or ingoa, the terminology system that's going to be applied across the collections. Once this is kind of revised, it'll make searching for groups of similar taonga much easier in the future. And it will also introduce appropriate and consistent te reo into the cataloging system. It's an ongoing discussion and it's happening in collaboration with the Taonga Māori curatorial team, as well as our Tomata Māori Kura. Again, as um, Bethany touched on earlier, we have wānanga with our Tomata Māori Kura for each Taonga group that we're working through, um, and that's usually about two days. This is a chance for us to corridor around a selection of the taonga from that group. We discuss all aspects of the project mahi, but we specifically focus on the naming and the descriptions to make sure that our record updates will be useful and make sense to researchers and the wider community. The next step in the workflow is conservation. Myself and the other two conservators on the team Karen and Connor assess the condition of the taonga, we clean it, we reshape distortions such as removing creases from past folding, and on rare occasion we repair unstable areas. Here again you can see our kutafariki that we've been following. Because of the degree of losses, unraveling and brittle material, we carried out a more extensive treatment than is normal. This is also only one of two kutafari here in our collection, mm. so it's a really important example to preserve. Um, Conservator Connor rewove these damaged areas with strips of archival Japanese paper, colored to match the original material. Since he was new to weaving at the time, he took a lot of guidance from our teammate Lisa, who has over 30 years experience weaving. It's ideal for conservation treatments to be distinguishable from the original taonga so that it's easy to spot the non-original materials. This is why we use materials like Japanese paper, which is visually blending but, and behaves similarly to the original material, but it's clearly different. 
we're not restoring the taonga or trying to pretend like the damage was never there, but we do want to strengthen the weak areas and we usually do this in a way that's visually compatible and not distracting. As an aside, we have recently started experimenting with harakeki paper as a substitute for Japanese paper. Um, our source for this is made in Whanganui and it's made from weaving offcuts, so it's a local sustainable material. Here are also some examples of cloak or kakahu conservation. So this is usually done with stitching and um, patches of a fine bobinet material that's transparent and you can still see the structure of the kopapa through that, which we thought was quite an important thing to maintain so that it's not distracting and you can still see um, the weaving properties. One way we have been sharing about our project work is through posts on social media so that those outside of the museum can get a taste of how things are progressing. I'll flick past this quite quickly, but if you want to read more, you should check out the Auckland Museum Facebook and Instagram accounts. After conservation, the taonga is imaged by our photographer, Afina, or in this case, a different photographer in the museum did it because Afina hadn't started with us yet. For each object grouping, Lisa gives Afina a standard list of features to take detailed images for each taonga. Um, so Afina and the rest of the photographers at the museum don't do any post-production on these images. So none of these have been photoshopped. They're all as shot in the lighting conditions um, that they have set up from the beginning. And we think this is a really important thing for archival purposes, because the more you alter an image, the the less you can be sure that that's a true representation of that object or that tonga. Finally, the tonga are rehoused in archival materials. The housing methods used are a great improvement on previous methods and make sure that the tonga are more visually accessible as well as physically accessible. You can see in this uh, Facebook post, there's a before and after image of our rolled Fariki storage. Ideally, we would have liked to have stored these flat, but we are quite limited for space. Um, so this is the next best thing. But we did replace these opaque covers with clear ones so that you can kind of see what's there at a glance and there's less need to kind of drag something out every time you want to look at it. And that, combined with the images on the database, now provides much more visual access for these taonga. Our storage technicians, Charlie and Justine, have been making modular accessible storage mounting options for Kitty. The foam or card trays are stacked in standard size boxes, um, and these are separated by foam bumpers so they're not crushing each other. When the kitty are removed from the boxes, the trays are handled rather than the taonga themselves, which reduces the risk of damage through repeated handling. The trays can also be restacked in different boxes, allowing for reorganization if new information comes to light, such as iwi, um, whānau associations, that kind of thing. 
the end of the project, our electronic records will be updated and everything will be a lot more searchable. Eventually, everything will be accessible through collections online to reach as wide an audience as possible. So the idea, the whole point of the project pretty much, is to make the Taonga as accessible as possible, both digitally and physically, which for 10,000 plus Taonga is no small task. So I'll hand back to Bethany now. So if you come up out of the specifics of the project and back into the wider collection um, and how we think about organising them and trying to align them more within a te ao Māori framework so that they make sense in te ao Māori as well as within a museological context, there's a whole lot of challenges that we're faced against within that as well. Um, so, Te Ao Māori, Henete Iwi Iwe is the kaitiaki of this mahi, Te Wharipora. <coughs> Part of the classification structures that we're proposing for this kaupapa are to acknowledge those atua that are in association with a specific taonga. So, in this instance, we're talking about Henete Iwe Iwe. We might be talking about Tumataoinga when we're talking when we're working with our taiaha and our um, weaponry. So. These are the philosophical shifts that we're attempting to make through this type of project and the direction that the museum is taking, um, hearkening back to he kōrahi Māori as a Māori dimension of the museum. And what does that mean in practical application when we're dealing with taonga? So the first classification structure that we need to identify is that atua. Who is the atua that is the kaitiaki of this particular taonga? When you go down another layer, thinking about the cultural context of that taonga and which of Ngākete or e Toru does that taonga fit within? So we know in Te Ao Māori we have Ngākete e Toru, each one has a particular type of mahi that is pertained within and knowledge that's within that kete. So how do we reflect that in the way that we organise our collections? No mean feat, really. <laughs> a lot of philosophical debate and discussion that is required to really um, confirm this um, with museum practitioners and professionals, but also with um, those uh, tohunga who exist in Te Ao Māori and that have a deeper complex understanding of what Te Ao Māori looks like. Um, and we're still working through where that fits within a museum context. Does it sit in a museum record? Does it exist outside of the museum with practitioners and people who are continuing to evolve these practices? Um, the sessions that we have with the weavers, we record them and we have those archives are going to be kept in the library archives in perpetuity, in our Auckland Museum Library archives, so that researchers are able to, to access that information by request. If those requests come through the museum, then we refer back to our weavers to ensure that they're okay with the context that that researcher is proposing for their mahi. So we've set up those um, those levels of communication with our weavers to ensure that they, that, that information is being um, accessed in a, uh, with integrity. <clears throat> From here, the next class classification structure, cultural context is the broadest, you can read it there, um, but when you come at, under the Whare Wānanga, then we're thinking about, uh, sorry, under the Kete e Toru, we're thinking about Ngā Whare Wānanga. So what is that school of learning 
what is the mahi that's in that, and then what are the taonga associated with that school of learning. So in this instance, a hieke may not sit in te pora, it may actually sit in um, te tutawa as a kākahu worn by a toa. So, so we're starting to delineate and di differentiate between um, schools of thought as much as we are um, just trying to get them in the right place. <laughs> um, there's been a lot of work done by Hakitea, particularly, um, who's uh, been our collection manager, Taonga Māori, for a long time at the museum and is now um, managing the Te Awe project. So to ensure that the work that gets done in these um, projects, these bespoke projects, integrates into the larger um, Taonga Māori collection is really important as well. <coughs> So when you're thinking about that and how that might drop across, this is some of the working thinking that we're going through and how that might look when, when we get into the, ex, uh, into the back end of things in terms of how it's represented in our database. Now this is, as Kate mentioned, is around searchability and accessing collections, because we might put in kete and only a certain number of taonga come up at the moment, whereas if we put in basket, it might bring up a different result. If we put in kete for kairo, it brings up a different result. So it's trying to streamline that so that when a researcher wants to, to access all kete for kairo, we have a mechanism to do so. Um, and you can start to see here the types of um, subcultural contexts that might be able to come into the way that we organise our taonga. So what does this mean for you as people who don't work in the museum? Essentially, it harkens back to Future Museum and what are the aspirations of that project to maximise access to and care of the museum's collections and the, no the knowledge associated with them, and to serve the people that the collections are for, namely our current and future audiences. People often come to the museum and expect that the museum knows everything about everything that we have in our collections. It's not true. <laughs> and this is based on historical collecting um, different priorities when collecting taonga that have been through the different generations. So um, for a large portion of our collections, we might know the geographic region that they come from. A smaller portion, we might know a specific iwi they're associated to. For a smaller portion, we may know an associated tupuna and a very small portion of them, we know the specific name of the taonga. So, what this is attempting to do is to substantiate the knowledge that we do have around these taonga, rely on um, the knowledge of our experts and, our, um, and what our team brings to the table as well, to be able to really honour the mana of each individual taonga. Nō reira i raro i tērā um, whakaaro tēnei te mihiki o koutou e hui hui mai nei tēnei ahiahi. Uh, kua mutu tō māua kōrero mo tēnei wā, engari um, me tūwhara te wā mo te whakawhiti kōrero. So, yeah, that brings us to the conclusion of our piece. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for tuning in. The Heritage Talks podcast is produced regularly for your education and enjoyment. Talk notes are found on the Talks page at soundcloud.com. Come back whenever you like and feel free to add the podcast to your favourite RSS feed 
or iTunes. All links are in the talk notes.